2: Take your Bible, if you would, please, and turn with me to 1 John, chapter 2. Uh, If you're you're new to the church, we've been preaching through the epistle of 1 John. Uh, We started at at chapter 1, verse 1, and now we're in chapter 2, starting at verse number 28. So we're at 1 John, chapter 2, verse 28. Uh, I've entitled the message today, When He Comes... Now, please bear with me because I have a, a unique situation which I find myself in every now and then. The situation is this the early service took off in a certain way, a certain direction. You know how that happens sometimes? When the Holy Spirit does things and we get, you know, He takes us to a little different path. And I only got through half of the message, which is, a, you know, usually I get through a little bit more than half anyway, but this time I only got through half. So I want to try to do the same thing in this service: preach half of what I have prepared, and then, Lord willing, next Sunday I'll finish the second half of the of the of the sermon. But anyway, when he comes, we're in second. uh, I'm sorry, First John, uh, second chapter, starting at verse number 28. Let me read it, and then we'll pray. And now, little children, abide in him, that when he appears, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who practices righteousness is born of him. Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called children of God. Therefore, the world does not know us because it did not know him either. Beloved, now we are children of God, And it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him for we shall see him as he really is. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. Father, Lord God, thank you for your word today. Thank you, Lord, for letting us be at this particular passage at at this particular date. And so, Lord, whoever is here and whoever is watching, this has been preordained by you, I believe, Lord, to, to speak on this topic on this particular day to whomever is here and whoever is going to listen to this later on the live stream. But, Lord, we pray your blessing over the preaching of your word today. Lord, anoint my lips and my mind and my heart and my spirit. to to bring forth the word of God that you put in my heart. Let it be pleasing to you. Let it bring glory and honor to you, O God. And let it bring encouragement and edification to the body of Christ. Holy Spirit, speak through this message to our hearts. In Jesus' precious holy name we pray. Amen and amen. Well, praise the Lord. Uh, Warren Wiersbe is a scholar. And he writes that 1 John chapter 2, verse 28, begins a new section or a new emphasis in John's letter. I, I tend to agree with him. If you think about it, up till now, uh, the writing has been basically about fellowshipping with God, fellowshipping with one another. In chapter 1, we read a lot about light and dark, and if we walk in the light as he is in the light... We have fellowship with one another. So it's all like relational information. Chapter 2 talks about a lot about loving and hating. We can't say that we, we're we in the light and hate our brother. Again, it's relational. In the second part of chapter 2, uh, he writes about truth and error. And uh, the, uh, the error of doctrine removes us from the fellowship, as we read in verse number 19 of chapter 2. But now as we get into... into verse number 28, we have a different feeling, a different tone, a different emphasis is going on. It's an emphasis of sonship. Uh, So we're going from fellowship and benefits of that fellowship. And we know the benefits of fellowship with the Lord are wonderful benefits. Uh, Chapter 2, verse 25, this is the promise. He's promised us eternal life with the Lord. So that's a tremendous benefit of having fellowship with God, wouldn't you say? I mean, I I, want to have fellowship now, so I'll have fellowship later as well. So we have fellowship now and we'll have fellowship later. That's a great benefit. But now we're going from the idea of fellowship to the idea of sonship and responsibility. He says in verses 1 and 2 of chapter 3, we are now called children of God. And this theme of being a child of God is is pretty much uh, throughout the New Testament. We're we're sons and daughters of God. If we've accepted Christ, we're sons and daughters of God. I can remember many years ago when Pam and I were living in North Carolina. Uh, I was driving my car one day and... I don't know if this ever happens to you, but I noticed these people walking down the sidewalk of this road in, in, in Rockingham, North Carolina, and I, and I thought that these people looked a little bit suspicious to me. I don't know if that ever happened to you. They looked suspicious to me because of the way they were dressed. The ladies had on long, flowing dresses and long hair, and the guys were long-haired, and they looked like hippies, and, and, and they were singing songs, and they looked suspicious to me. And I I was so intrigued, I went by them. I turned around and came back again to get another look, just to make sure I was seeing it right. I said, man, these people look, they look different. There's something something about these people. I found out later who they were. They were from a a cult group from California called the Children of God. And they were out in North Carolina trying to recruit people into into their cult. I think it's now disbanded. This was several years ago. That is definitely not what we're talking about here. So when we read that you know, we are now called children of God, we don't, we're not belonging to a cult or anything. We're belonging to the family of God. And we're brothers and sisters in Christ. Let me give you some scripture background here. Second Corinthians 6.18 says, The Lord says, I will be a father to you, and you will be my sons and daughters. And uh, uh, Romans 8.16 says, The Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God galatians three twenty six says through faith in jesus christ we are all sons and daughters of god so as children of god we have certain responsibilities and certain privileges the privileges we can be we can say i'm a child of god i know my father i have fellowship with my father one day verse number two i'm going to see the lord I'm going to be with him for all of each other. It's a privilege to know we're a child of God. The responsibility, however, we see in verse number 28, the responsibility is to make sure we're ready when he comes back again. Titus 2.13, one of my favorite scriptures, Titus, Paul writes to Titus and he says, Be ready, be, be looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. And that's what we're talking about today. We're talking about the second coming of the Lord. So I want to go through this this section, verses 28 down to 3.3. And then, uh, well, let's see. As as we finish that, we'll probably have to end the sermon at that point. If I want to keep in step with what happened this morning. Are you with me, church? All right, good. So let's start with uh, verse number 28. He says, now, little children. Does anyone know what that means? I mean, you should know by now. Verse 18, chapter 2, verse 12 in chapter 2. Whenever he says, my little children, he's saying, my church family, the body of Christ, the born-again believers, the the new creations in Christ. He's writing to the church. He says, now, church, I'm saying to you, abide in him. Abide in Christ. If we could put chapters 1 and 2 together, what he's saying is, "Get get get beyond the issues of the flesh... Get beyond the issues of the false teachers and simply abide in Christ. Settle down in Christ. Have faith, have hope, have love in Christ Jesus. Live in Christ Jesus. Live by his teachings and live by his spirit. Live in his truth. It's been said we should shelter ourselves in him. Good advice, wouldn't you say? He's saying, church, abide in him, live in him. And like I said last week, we need to abide in him so that when sickness comes or if sickness comes, our world isn't falling apart. Or if we lose our wallet like I did down in Carolina a few weeks ago, if we have some calamity that happens, whatever, a car accident, whatever happens, we don't just fall apart and, 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 and wonder where did God go and all this stuff. We're, we're abiding in him. We're living in him. We're ready for whatever. And usually when we, we read the, the passage, abide in him, it's in the, in the terms of or in, in the setting of so that you don't lose faith or you don't, you don't panic or you don't lose your peace or lose your joy. But verse number 28 is rather unique because he says, church, abide in him. So that when he comes, you'll have confidence and you won't be ashamed. And we're going to talk about that today. That, first of all, he's coming. Jesus is coming back. It's a tremendous tenet of the faith. No matter what denomination you're in, it's part of the Christian faith. Jesus is coming back. I remember, I, I told you this story many times, but before I was born again, I was attending Catholic Church, the church of my upbringing. And one, uh, I think it was a Sunday morning, could have been a Sunday night mass, I forget. But at the part, there's a part in the mass, they still say it, Christ has died, Christ has risen, and Christ will come again. And I've been saying that my whole life until this point. But this one time, I said it and I said, wait a minute. I get the Christ has died and Christ has risen. I don't know about the Christ will come again business. I never really heard that before or heard anyone talk about it before. But it is a tenet of the faith that Jesus is coming back again. I want to just clarify what we're talking about when we say the appearing of the Lord. The appearing of the Lord is actually a twofold event. The first appearing of the Lord, which is what he's referring to here, is what we refer to as the rapture of the saints. We read about it in 1 Thessalonians 4. We read about it in 1 Corinthians 15. And uh, we hear about it in Second Timothy 4 9. When, when Paul says to Timothy, whoever loves his appearing will receive the crown of righteousness. So that's the first appearing. And nothing has to happen... Now, for that to happen. In other words, it could happen at any point when we hear that the voice of the Lord and the sound of the the trumpet and the voice of the archangel, the dead in Christ will arise and we who remain will be caught up with the Lord in the air to be with him forever. That's the appearing of the Lord in the sky. That's the first appearing. Now, after that will come the tribulation period, seven-year tribulation period. After those seven years, Jesus will come back again to earth to establish his righteous rule on the earth for a thousand years. But we'll be riding with him at that point, coming back to the earth. So twofold. But we're talking about the first event when he calls his church, either from death or from life, to be with him in the clouds forever and ever, to be with him in heaven forever and ever. So let me paraphrase verse number 28. Church... Live in Christ, be abiding in Christ, so that when he comes, you'll have a confidence and you won't be ashamed. I don't know if anyone has ever had a situation in your life where you had had this big event you had to do. And you thought you were ready for it, but when you got there, you realized you were totally ill-prepared for the situation that you got yourself involved with. Unfortunately, I've had many of those situations over the course of my life, but I want to share one of them that, I, that came to my mind, and that is when I was probably about eight years old. And when I was eight years old, I played Little League Baseball. And, uh, and my team, by the way, had the unique distinction of having three brothers on the same team. First time it ever happened, it was a big thing, I had two older brothers. I was the youngest kid on the team, and uh, I had on my baseball socks, you know, I had my baseball pants, and my shirt, and my cap, and everything, man, I was ready to play ball. I was all set. I was dressed and ready to go to the party. And finally, it got time to put me into the game. Now, the thing is, my father was the coach, but that's another story. But he he put me in the game, right? Now, he put me in left field. Now, if you know anything about left field, I mean, all the action in Little League is on the infield. If you're in the outfield, it's, oh, well, you know, just put him in the game. Nothing's going to go his way. He's just going to, he got in the game, and he's happy. Well, I'm out there, and I got my glove on, and I'm, I'm talking it up, and, you know, I'm ready to play ball. And lo and behold, this guy hits a ball. It comes flying out there, and I knew I could catch the ball. I knew I could catch it. As I'm running over to get the ball, out of the corner of my eye, I see the center fielder coming, and he's trying to get the ball. But he realizes the ball's closer to me, so he stops. But the thing is, I stopped too. And the ball fell down, and we looked at each other like, oh no. And then we got the ball and threw it back in. And I was so embarrassed. My confidence went right out the window. I was ashamed I let my team down. I, I vowed I'd never let that happen again. Well, kind of similar with the ten virgins. Five of them were ready for the bridegroom's return, if you know the story. Five of them weren't ready when the bridegroom came back. They were locked out of the party. They couldn't get into the party. And this is what John is talking about. Church, abide in Christ. Live in him. Live in his truth. Get all, you know, get yourself established in your faith so that when he comes, and let's not underestimate the thing when he says, so that when he, we say, oh, when he comes, like he's going to, like, he's going to come, church. He's really going to come. It's, it's true. It's, it's, it's something written down. It's like, it's going to happen. So when he comes, he's saying, you got to be ready so you could face the Lord with confidence and not be ashamed. Could you imagine if Jesus burst on the scene today, say, and some of us, so maybe some at home, were not really ready to meet the Lord? Reminds me of a story of one of the brothers from the Brownsville Revival in Pensacola, Florida, in the 90, late 90s. Uh, he, was, he tells this story that uh, if, you're on a, if you're on a jet plane and you're going somewhere, And the pilot says, uh, we have a malfunction and we're going to crash in about 30 seconds. And he says, well, at that point, would you be repenting or rejoicing? He said, I'd be rejoicing. I know where I'm going. Me personally, I do a little repenting and then rejoicing, but that's me. But are you ready to go? Are you ready to go? Because he's going to come. And so someone would say, why do you think it's going to be in your lifetime? Because Paul thought it was going to be in his lifetime. That's why I think it could be in my lifetime. If Paul thought it was going to be in his lifetime, why can't we think it's going to be in our lifetime? And every revival I read about, by the way, whether it's in Wales or Brownsville or wherever, these, Azusa Street, there was always an emphasis on the second coming of Jesus. There was always an emphasis on that. I remember when Pamela and I first got saved in... 40-some uh, years ago. I remember some of the brothers were telling us, Jesus is coming back. And I said, what do you mean? Now? They said, well, it could be anything. I said, really? I don't know about that. And But they were, they were convinced Jesus is getting ready to come back. I always say, you know, so 40 years walking with the Lord, we thought he was coming back then. How much more do we think he's coming back now? I do. I really do. And And you know what? If he doesn't come back in my lifetime or our lifetime, all right, at least we could say we lived ready. And I want to live ready for that. Because you know what? You never know. You just never know. I don't want to be not ready. My goodness, that would be terrible. So he says, verse 28, little children, abide in Jesus that when he appears, he's going to appear. We may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. Uh, Paul writes a few things here he says in Christ we have a boldness in Hebrews we read come boldly before the throne of grace in Hebrews 12 we read we should be able to say with boldness the Lord God is my helper and I want to ask you today church are you bold in Christ I don't mean obnoxiously bold I mean humbly bold you know there's a difference I mean, humbly depending and knowing who you are in Christ, knowing that whatever comes your way, whatever comes down the pot, you're going to be OK because God is with you. Do you have that confidence? Yes. And, and see, the thing is, uh, you know, some people will say, well, you know, you have to be healthy and wealthy and prosperity and all this stuff. And I don't really see that in the gospel. I see the opposite. I see rather when we're going through trials and tribulations and hardships, then we're stronger and we're made stronger through those trials. And so we have a confidence, whatever comes our way, I'm going to be all right because God is with me. This is what John is saying. This is how we have to live every single day of our lives. Man, that, that puts a little emphasis on it, doesn't it? I could see being like this for a week or two. How about a month or two? How about a lifetime? How about until Jesus comes? Because he he doesn't know when he's going to come. Just abide in him so that when he comes, and the fact is, he may not come in our lifetime, but live this way anyway. It'll give you a fire. It'll give you a fervency. It'll give you an unction in your spirit to, to, to follow God, no matter what happens, and no matter who follows with you. It does something deep in our hearts. So that's 28. Verse 29 says, a little tricky to understand, verse 29. But if you know that he's righteous, do you know that he's righteous, by the way? Listen, let me tell you, let me clear this up. He never had an affair with Mary Magdalene, like Hollywood says. He never cheated with Martha and Mary. Never got angry and went off like that. He had a righteous indignation. He is pure, holy, spotless, the perfect Lamb of God, slain for sinners. He's righteous. I would say with a capital R. He is righteous. He's the righteous son of God. Now, is, now this says, if you know that he's righteous, and you know that he's right, if you know he's righteous, and then it says, uh, you know that everyone who practices righteousness, everyone who tries to emulate him or live like him, you know that they're born of God. What, that's a little tricky for me, this verse. But what he's saying is, you have a kinship with people of like faith. If you know he's righteous, I know he's righteous. We're serving God together. We have a bond. We're united through the blood of Jesus Christ. That's an awesome thought. So that's why it says at the end of verse 29, I have New King James Version. We're born of God. We are born of God. We're no longer born of the world or born of the devil or whatever. We're born of God. I read a book a long time ago. Uh, One of the Manson girls, if you know the story of Charlie Manson, she got saved in prison. She wrote a book called Child of Satan, Child of God. She's now with the Lord, Susan Atkins. But she knows the difference of being a child of Satan and a child of God. But we are now children of God. Not like the cult group that I mentioned. We're children of God biblically, you know. So... So, okay, so we have this kinship with us. Now, verse number 1 of chapter 3, very interesting verse to me. Whenever I see the word behold, I have to step back and think about it. Because I can't just say behold. It's more like, oh my goodness, check this out. It's like, oh, it's like, it's like something holy, something magnificent, something wonderful. Behold. Behold. Behold this this truth. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called children of God. Can we let that sink in just a little bit? How could this be? You know who you are. I know who I am. I thank the Lord you don't know who I really am and vice versa, but we know who we are. We're sinners. Oh, my goodness. None of us have arrived at that place of perfection. You know that. We're working on it, praise God. But we we all have a past. We all have a history. We all have stuff in our life. We don't want anybody to find out about us. But he loves us. Behold that truth. How could he love us? What kind of love is that? We sang it earlier. It's a reckless, freely given, unconditional love keep coming love. It's, it's a love that never stops and never ends. It's a love that takes us as we are. And I, and I find special emphasis in this verse number one because it's written by John. And John, as you know, uh, from the Last Supper, uh, we read that John was the apostle whom Jesus loved. Jesus loved John, you know. That was known, it was, it was, it was known then. But John was also one of the sons of, sons of thunder, meaning Jesus nicknamed them, you know, James and John, sons of thunder, because they were loud people. They were obnoxious sometimes. They were controlling. They tried to control the, their destiny, and they had these interactions, and their mother got involved, and all this stuff. But John knows the love of the Father. And he's saying, beget this mystery. He loves people like me. He loves people like you. Can you grasp that? Can you understand that? He loves you so much. He gave his son Jesus to die in your place that you might have everlasting life and a good life on earth to boot. He loves you that much. And he says, behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us. There's there's a contemporary song. I want to play it right now by Lauren Daigle. It's called, How Could It Be? If we could show that real quick. And let the words penetrate your heart. Put yourself in the song and, and re- reflect on how, how could God love you the way that he does. Praise the Lord. Now we can give the Lord a hand clap. Thank you, Lord. So verse number one, what manner of love is this? Oh, my goodness. And then he says in verse number one, therefore, because of this great love, this great relationship that we have with God and with one another, the world doesn't know us. And it didn't know him either. So we shouldn't be so worked up about it if people in the world, unregenerated souls, don't understand where we're coming from. So we're in the world, but not of the world. In 2.15, we already talked about a few weeks ago, but do not love the world nor the things in the world. Come out of the world. So we don't belong in that realm, in that worldly system. And so verse number one is just an awesome scripture. Behold, what manner of love the Father has, has bestowed upon us that we should be called children of God. We're brothers and sisters in Christ. Therefore, the world doesn't know us because it didn't know him either. Then verse number two, he says, beloved. I love John's personal touch to the letter. I love you, church. I love you. I, I, I'm with you. But now we're the children of God. We are the children of God. We are the church of Jesus Christ. We're his family. We're brothers and sisters in Christ. And we better start getting along now, because we have a whole eternity to get along. So we better start now on earth. But anyway, we, we, we have this relationship. We're children of God. But then he says, it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. Oh, really? So we're his children. But there's part of this thing that we don't get yet. Anyone ever realize that? You ever have something in your life or in your mind, in your spirit, you don't understand certain things? We don't get it all yet. 1 Corinthians 13 tells us we see through a glass dimly. We don't, we don't see a clear picture when we look at the, at the overall word of God. We see, we see dimly through the word. But when he comes, we'll see all things, and we'll know all things, we'll see him as he really is. But verse number two, it has not yet been revealed to us what we shall be, but we know, this is what we do know, that he he will be revealed. We know that when he's revealed, so he will be revealed. We don't know what's, it hasn't all been revealed to us, what's going to happen, all the fine points. But we do know he will be revealed to us. Oh, man, I, I just get, I get excited about thinking about that. Maybe, maybe when I first got saved, all these people were telling me, Jesus is coming, and it's in my heart. I really believe he's coming. He will reveal himself to us. Hallelujah. But listen, it goes on verse number 2. And we shall be like him. We shall be like him. Think of post-resurrection, pre-ascension Jesus. He was there in body. He ate. He drank. But he also walked through walls. He was in spirit and physically as well. But that's probably how we're going to be. We're going to be like him. Physically, spiritually. We're going to be, we're going to be trans, transferred, transitioned, changed, caught up. And we're going to see him as he really is. Oh, think about it. Come on. Think about it. We can't just read this and say, oh, well, nice scripture. No, no, we're going to see Jesus. We're going to see Jesus. This is the Word of God. We're going to see Him face to face. Look, we we don't know, uh, it's not, not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when He's revealed, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He really is. I did a little studying on that because there's. There's a scripture in Revelation and a scripture in Daniel that describes a vision that John had and Daniel had about of Jesus. And you can read it in, in Revelation chapter 1. This is what he says, or Daniel chapter 10. Jesus had a, a, a garment down to his feet. You have to picture this. Had a golden band around his chest. His hair was white like wool or white like snow. And his eyes were aflame like a fire. Daniel said his his eyes were like a torch of fire. His feet were like fine brass. His voice was like the voice of many waters. You ever hear a rushing water? It's the sound of rushing water, like a waterfall. His his mouth makes a sound like the sound of a double-edged sword. His countenance is like the sun shining in its strength. And we shall see him. Oh, my goodness. Let that reality sink into your spirit, church. Oh, yes, we have to pay the bills. Oh, yes, we have to get the car fixed. Oh, yes, we have to discipline the kids or whatever we have to do. But we're going to see Jesus one day. And that alone gives us the confidence and the assurance we can deal with life. One day we're going to see him in all of his glory. He's coming back for us. He's going to snatch us out of here and catch us up into the air. Uh, there's an old song. I've got to sing it, and I want you to sing it with me. But it says, we shall see the king. We shall see the king. Come on. We shall see the king when he comes. Oh, he's coming in power. All hail the blessed hour. We shall see the king when he comes. There's a blessed time that's coming, coming soon. It may be evening, morning, or at noon. Come on. The wedding of the bride united with the groom. We shall see the king when he comes. Come on, verse 2. Are you ready should the Savior call today? Would Jesus say, well done, or go away? My home is for the pure. The vile can never stay. We shall see the king when he comes. We shall see the king. We shall see the king. We shall see the king when he comes. Oh, he's coming in power. All hail the blessed hour. We shall see the king when he comes. Oh, my brother, are you ready for the call to crown our Savior, Lord of all? All the kingdoms of the world shall soon before Him fall. We shall see the King when He comes. Come on, sing it again. We shall see the King, oh glory, we shall see the King. We shall see the King when He comes. He's coming in power. All hail the blessed hour. We shall see the King when He comes. Amen. Amen. So then He goes on to say, in verse number three, everyone who has this hope, this hope, Jesus is coming. We're going to see Him. We're going to be changed. We're going to be out of here, praise God. But anyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. Now, there's a whole lot to say about that verse. But basically, let me say it this way. When we first came to Jesus, he purified us. He, he, he forgave our sin. We're washed in the blood. That's another great hymn. Washed in the power and the blood. We're washed in the blood of Jesus. We're made cleansed. We're purified by, by believing in what He did for us on Calvary. 1 John 3, 5, just a few verses down. It says, in Jesus there's no sin. 2 Corinthians five twenty one, it says, He who knew no sin became sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. So if we have this hope... You know this this thing. We're purified by by the Lord, but now it comes down. Now it comes down to maintenance. <laughs> he did it, and now he gives us the responsibility to keep it clean. Come on, keep it clean, brother. You you, you got to take up your cross. And that 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 verse in Mark uh, eight thirty four. In that culture, Jesus, the people in that culture would see criminals frequently carrying their cross to their place of crucifixion. Criminals. And Jesus says, if you want to follow me, you see these guys over here? You have to take up your own cross. And you carry your cross like these guys are dying to themselves. You deny yourself and you live for me. But come follow me. But deny yourself, carry your cross. So what he's saying is, you've got to walk it out. Philippians 2.12 says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. What do you mean, work it out? Jesus worked it out on the cross. But now we have a life to live. He gives us this word that we don't like to receive all the time. It's called responsibility. We have responsibility to live according to the word, according to his plan. He's not making us. We have to choose to do it. But he's given us the responsibility. Will you do it? Will you follow me? Will you take up your cross and come after me? But if you have this hope in you, that's why I, 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 we can't underplay the hope that we have in Christ. The blessed hope and glorious appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. If that's in us, there should be a connection. it. that's coming, oh my goodness, I better stay purified. I better be ready for when that comes. I don't know when it's going to come. It may come this week. It may come, I don't know when, 10 years from now. But if I, if I have this hope in me, I'm going to do all that I can to be clean, to be holy, to be purified, to be right with him. So at this point is where I ended the early service and I'm going to have to end right now. But I have to come back next week. Because next week, we're going to focus on when he comes, what is he expecting of us? And there's a whole lot to say about that. I'm going to ask the worship team to come back up here real quick. Worship team, everyone, why don't we all stand together? And uh, while the worship team is getting ready, uh, you could say hello to somebody. You could welcome somebody in church. Come on, it's okay to talk in church, by the way. You could greet somebody. And we're going to close out with a song of praise. Why don't we all stand up and let's get ready to sing and, and worship. Oh, can I use this mic okay?
0: And every knee will bow before the Lion and the Lamb Every knee will bow before Him Every knee will bow before the Lion and the Lamb
2: Every every eye closed for just a second we sing that and it's true. Philippians chapter 2 tells us every knee will bow, every tongue will confess. Of those in heaven those under the earth and on the earth will, will confess Jesus Christ is Lord every tongue will confess every knee will bow but the thing about it is that they will have to they will have to and then comes a judgment we don't have to now. We want to. Oh, I want to. I, I really want to, and I do. And we. So every every head bowed, every eye closed. Just a second. If there's uh, somebody here today, you heard this message. You're not ready. Being in church doesn't make you ready any more than a. a uh, you being in a garage makes you a car whatever that saying is but (laughs) being in church doesn't mean you're ready it means there's something going on but we want to give everyone an opportunity if Jesus came today and if he didn't come today but if your time came today something happened to you and you met your maker would you be ready to meet the Lord would you be confident or would you be ashamed? So this is why we do what we do. This is an invitation. Those of you at home, this is an invitation. You don't even have to be in the sanctuary to feel the Spirit of God tugging at your heart. You know where you are with God, and you know where you need to be. But I want to ask if there's anybody here today that feels like, yeah, th- that message is for me. I'm not ready. I'm not abiding in him. i'm I'm kind of with him, but if Jesus came back today, I would be, I would be hard. Pre- I would be in a lot of trouble if Jesus came back today. Oh, can I tell you, you can't leave church like that. You can't leave the service like that. You've got to at least give the Lord an opportunity to help you. So if you're at home and you're, you're feeling this, and I want you to write a comment or send me an email or a text later, let me know that God's dealing with you. But is there anybody here in the sanctuary that feels like I need to get right with God right now, right, right here now? I need to get right with God. I need, I need to, whatever I'm doing, I need to stop that and get my head together, get my spirit right. I need to surrender my will to God right now. Raise your hand if that's you. Come on, be brave. Be brave. Thank you, sir. Anybody else? there. Amen. Praise the Lord. Anybody else? Listen, don't walk out of here unsettled. Settle it. Settle it with God. We're not talking perfection. We're talking about just desire to do right. God will help us with the perfecting part with these two people anybody else i I just want to get right with God. or maybe you never received christ in your life maybe you've been around the, the church around the cross but you never really surrendered your heart to god what do you mean well when you say to the lord lord i i give you my heart i give you my life i don't want my life anymore my life is nuts my life isn't working. I want to give it up to you. I need you. I need you to forgive me of my sins. And I need you to, to, to enlighten my path. I'm, I'm lost. Anyone need to receive Jesus today? Because Jesus is the ticket, you know. You could quote a million scriptures if you want to. If you don't have Jesus in your heart, it doesn't matter. One bit. You could have all the money in the world. doesn't matter can have all the education in the world. Doesn't matter. What matters is who who is Jesus in your life? Who is he? Is he a friend? Is he your teacher? Or as we used to say all the time, he's my savior. He's he's my lord. He's the master of my life. I yield everything to him. I'm his servant. He's, He's my king. Anybody else? I need Jesus today. Raise your hand. I need Jesus today. Okay, let me pray. <clears throat> Dear Lord, we come before you today, uh, as as John says, as, as your little children, as, as the body of Christ. <clears throat> Whether we're in the sanctuary or at home or watching this somewhere we come before you in the precious, glorious name of Jesus Christ. Thank you for your word. Lord, your word says of your word that it's living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. And it is. Amen to that. It is. Definitely it is. But Lord, your word has spoken to us today powerfully. And our prayer, Lord, is that everyone in this room, everyone online, could sense your Holy Spirit Throwing out the lifeline Grab hold of the lifeline Grab hold of the lifeline There may come a day, Lord When we understand there may not be an opportunity But we have the opportunity now So Lord, with the two that raised their hands Or maybe others, some at home Lord, we all come before you today Surrendering All of our stuff to you All of our, all of our uh, Off-center Beliefs actions, thoughts, words, and deeds. We surrender it all. We confess it all to you and and, and say, Lord, forgive us, cleanse us, and get us back in center position again. Get us back lined up right with you. Lord, maybe for the first time some here, we receive you as our Lord and Savior and Master. Forgive us of our sins. Cleanse our heart. Cleanse our mind. Cleanse our mouth. Cleanse our everything. and, And let us just be your servants. And Lord, that one verse really touches us. We're children of God. How wonderful. Let us embrace your love. Let us live in your love. And we don't know everything. We don't know what's going to, what the revelation is, but we do know enough that you're going to be revealed. And we're going to see you. We're going to be like you. And Lord, let that be food in our spirit that gives us the motivation to stay on track with you until that day. And Lord, with that, I just want to close with this prayer. Lord God, help us to be a light to the lost out there. Help us to be salt to a, a, a uh, a dry, barren land in which we live. Help us to be an influence to our families, our co-workers, our loved ones. Help us to bring the fragrance of Christ into a given situation people would recognize there's something different about them because they belong to Jesus. We're children of God. Help us, Lord, to 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 to, uh, to uh, I don't know fertilize the ground around us with the love of Jesus. And Lord, with that we pray. For our sons and our daughters, our grandchildren, our mothers and fathers, our brothers and sisters, our aunts and uncles and cousins, those that are closest to us. We pray in the name of Jesus for their salvation today. We thank you for this, Lord. And I pray for this congregation to just sense the love of God burning up in their hearts. Let that love motivate all of us to do great things for the kingdom of God. So we thank you. We praise you for this. And, Lord, we look forward to seeing you one day. Until then, Lord, we're going to walk with you. We're going to walk with you every day. And we thank you for the privilege of walking with you. And this we pray, hallelujah, in the glorious, precious name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Give the Lord a good hand clap. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord thank you lord thank you lord well uh, before you are dismissed i just want to say our intern frank ramos is there his wife is with us today her name is jury with one of the five correct i didn't know the little one was that little praise the lord but but please greet them have a time of fellowship before you go home and we'll see you tonight at the prayer meeting at live stream six o'clock god bless you